We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us on this Friday, along with Vince D'Addario and Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. It is a, uh, you know, this is, I'm sure this is going to be an exercise testing the limits of civility. Today. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes. But glad to have you with us. Nonetheless, we've already got people working the chats over right now and, uh, you know, going at it in the chat not going at it but you know some discussion going on in the chat obviously i think brian and ryan wrapping up their show just a little bit ago so uh thanks for the lead-in guys but uh, we've got the breaking news this afternoon before we start though i just want to make sure that everyone knows this is a jabroni free zone no jabronis allowed <laughs> today we'll discuss we'll debate we'll take questions you know We'll answer the questions, of course, but we're going to draw the line with jabronis, okay? So don't be a jabroni. First jabroni, you'll get a timeout. Second jabroni, you'll get a block, and good luck coming back from that. So, exactly. Now, I know the regulars know the deal, but, you know, let's. Uh, what I'm saying is keep it civil. You know, we can have we can have spirited debate and all that kind of stuff, but the line is drawn. At Jabroni Land, I don't yes. know what you guys think. Well, you know, name calling, uh, you know, things of that nature, it's not going to be tolerated today. Like we're not going to deal with all that other extra nonsense. And there's our resident Alabama fan, Alabama so guy. I'm going to ask Ladarius, what are your thoughts about your new offensive coordinator? Because <laughs> yeah, right. I am curious to see what he has to say. And 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 again, see, we've already got. Yeah, you know, I was okay. just going to say that. Let everybody. You're That's allowed to have your jabroni. opinion, but, you know. Why don't we yeah. come up with some synonyms as opposed to just straight yes. jumping right into garbage? Like, come on. Right. Let's be a little better, bit more of a civil group. Better adjectives. Come on. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank you. So, so the news is official. Tommy Reese is going to Alabama. You know, it was bouncing all over Twitter land and the boards and everywhere else yesterday. So, let me just start us off with this. We'll go Vince, Jesse, and then I'll uh, come around the back door, I guess. Do you buy or sell going to Alabama being a good move for Tommy Reese, first of all? Who'd you say was first, me or him? 
You were you were first. I'm first. Okay. So is it a lateral move in title? Yes, it is a lateral move in title. He's the offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, lateral move, right? But as much as I want to say that this is a lateral move, it's not a lateral move. It is the offensive coordinator at Alabama who's won a lot of championships since Notre Dame won their last championship. And the last time I checked, every single offensive coordinator for the past, I don't know how many years, their very next job was as a head coach. And if that is Tommy Reese's goal is to be a head coach, then this is not a bad move for him. So not only is it not bad for him from a career standpoint, he's going to be making probably twice as much money, give or take. That doesn't really matter maybe to some people, but it would to me. I mean, that that's it's a big step up from that level. You know, you're coaching in the SEC. People take that as a, you know – as a status type of thing. I agree with the sentiment that the Notre Dame offense is in a better place right now than the Alabama offense. I, I do believe that. So from an X's and O's standpoint, I don't know that it's a better gig, but from everything else, every other box to check, I think it is. And so, you know, could he have made a name for himself at Notre Dame and done really good things offensively at Notre Dame? Absolutely. I think he definitely could have. I liked where the needle was pointing, but from a, from a perspective of moving on to the next gig, from the brand, from the greatest football coach of all time, giving you a call, offering you the job, it's hard to say no to that, and I get it. So I think it is a step up. So before Jesse goes, if this is zero on the jabroni meter, and this is 10 <laughs> on the jabroni meter, Vince kept it. It's kept it over here. That's yeah. You got us off to a good start. I like that. I have no ill will. I mean, you got to do what you think is best for you. I have no <laughs> ill will about that. That's right. By the way, hit the like button if you would subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> Go, Jesse. <laughs> so I have a lot of the same sentiment that Vince has in this regard. Um, I saw a, a lot of boards kind of earlier ripping him for for saying that this is a lateral move. Um, I want to clarify that this is clearly not a lateral move. Alabama's offensive coordinator. Is a very is, is a more prominent role than being Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. Um, the type of you know you have Heisman winners at wide receiver, you have Heisman winners at running back, you have Heisman winners at quarterback. Um, you know Notre Dame hasn't had any of those things. So Tommy Reese being able to open up and probably expand his playbook and his play calling a little bit more, I think is definitely something that you're going to see. Um, and and again, this is this is Saban's ninth offensive coordinator since being at Alabama. You look at you know some of the past names, Nussmeyer. Uh, Loxley, who is now the coach um, at Maryland, I believe. Yeah, Brian Dable, who is now the head coach uh, of the of the New York Giants after you know going on to the Bills. You have Sarkeesian, who's a head coach. You have Kiffin, who stumbled a little bit and got his career back on track and is now a head coach in the SEC. Um, you have Bill O'Brien after he you know fell from the Texans. So this to me, this this job is two things. One, it, 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 the the common um, result is always the the common denominator is after Alabama, their, the career launches or it takes off in the direction that, that that person is looking for because, you know, Kiffin and O'Brien came there after kind of falling a little bit and they were able to rejuvenate their career and kind of come back up or take another step up. And then you have other guys like Dabble and Loxley who, who, who used it as a way to, you know, parachute or catapult their career into some regards. So if that, that has to be Tommy Reese's goal is eventually becoming a head coach at some point. Uh, and taking that next step. So I think this is a great 
move for him personally. I think this is a, a step up and again, a launching pad to probably what, what we'll see is him being a head coach in a few years. He kept it here. Yeah. 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 It's no jabronis on this show. That's right. That's right. For now, anyway. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I mean, you, you mentioned a bunch of the names there, Jesse, starting with Brian Dable. You know, just the offensive coordinators alone, Dable, Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Jim McElwain, Bill O'Brien, Dable, and where's Tommy Reese want to go, ultimately? He wants to go to the NFL is is kind of the thought, anyway. Like, even though I asked him straight up last year if he had NFL aspirations and he didn't want to answer the question, you know, it was like, well, my, I'm, I'm where my feet are and all that kind of stuff. Well, now your feet are in Tuscaloosa, but all these guys have springboarded to other places. Bill O'Brien is going back to the Patriots. Brian Dable went straight from Alabama to the Buffalo Bills to become offensive coordinator for Josh Allen. Now, of course, he's one of, you know, the the probably the top five hottest coaches in the NFL in his first season for what he did with that reclamation project in New York. And now there are other assistants besides just the offensive coordinators. You've got Dan Lanning at Oregon. You've got Mario Cristobal at Miami. You've got right. Kirby Smart, of course. You've got Billy Napier at Florida. You've got Mel Tucker at Michigan State. I mean, it is a long list of coaches who have come through there. Dan Quinn and Jason Garrett have both worked for for Nick Saban in the past, not at Alabama specifically, but they, you know, they are part of his coaching tree. And you've got Mark D'Antonio, Will Muschamp, you know, on and on and on. You know, Mike Malarkey. It's it's a long list. Yeah, and quite so a tree. if your goal is to use you know, if your goal is to advance, whether it's become a head coach, a coordinator in the NFL, whatever it happens to be, Alabama's a springboard for all that. Nick Saban has proven to be a springboard. The list at Notre Dame, like the list of assistants who have come to Notre Dame and gone on to bigger and better things, I mean, really, help me out here. Urban Meyer, Matt LaFleur, it, you know, are there really any 
in the Matt last La- Matt LaFleur had years. zero will to be here at Notre no, Dame, too. I know. He wanted, and he wanted out the I second mean, he got here. Basically, it's it's like happenstance that he happened yes. to come through Notre Dame for a year and ended yes. up being the coach, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers a few years later. Like yeah. no one is is like drawing a direct line like Brian Kelly really helped Matt LaFleur's career, right. you know. But Nick Saban is a springboard for all these guys. I mean, the the list is long and distinguished. And so if your goal is is to advance your career, this is a great move for Tommy Reese. Sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone. He had been here for six years. Has, you know, obviously his alma mater, so he played here. He coached here for six years. Just, you know, a smattering of actual coaching experience outside. I think that this is going to be good for him because I saw – I've got the the comment starred that, you know, like John said, Saban is going to push Reese. Like yep. we saw with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin <laughs> was pushed by Nick Saban, right? And, you know, Lane Kiffin was kind of at a, maybe not even kind of, he was at a crossroads in his career when he went to Alabama to become offensive coordinator. And it started off really hot. You know, it was a little bit of a mixed bag, but he parlayed it into a, a smaller position, I guess, head coach at Florida Atlantic, but now he's in the SEC and he's winning a lot of games at Ole Miss. It obviously worked out for Lane Kiffin, a guy who really, if he hadn't taken that job as offensive coordinator, I I definitely don't think he's a head coach in the SEC right now. And again, Tommy Reese, Tommy Reese seems to have NFL aspirations and if things work out for him they've got to work out for him obviously you know again like you can look at I realize if you look at kind of like you were touching on Vince you look at the rosters and you say well Notre Dame is probably in better shape right now than Alabama you know again I don't think you can necessarily look at the micro on this you've got to look at the macro and how things have worked out and uh, things have worked out really well for a lot of Alabama assistants over the years and I've got to think that that's Got to be one of the biggest draws for Tommy Reese to go down there because he wants to advance his career ultimately. Absolutely. This is a 100% a career advancement. And somebody mentioned something about, you know, Tommy Reese coming back as head coach in five or 10 years or whatever. Somebody put that in the chat. If that is to happen, if that's something that you see happening, I want him to go away and then come back. I don't want it to just be, at Notre Dame, that's all you know. You yeah. stay here. You oh, need go. that outside yes. experience. You need to get out of mom and dad's house and go yes. actually experience life, pay your own rent, you know, do those things on your own if you're Tommy Reese. I think this is going to be really good for him professionally. Yes, absolutely. And maybe someday he does come back. I, I don't know, but are we writing off Marcus Freeman already? Like, is he done already? Are we, are we, is there an expiration date on him being at Notre Dame? Like, He's 30 some odd years old. He's going to be here for a little while, I would imagine, unless something crazy happens. So, look, the bottom line is I think this is a good move for Tommy Reese. I, I can make the argument that it's not a good move from an X's and O's standpoint, but every other box, I feel like it's a good move for Tommy Reese. And I know there's going to be people that disagree with me, and that's fine. I just, I don't see it any other way. And I'm sure he went down to Tuscaloosa yesterday. And was just wined and dined and and it's fun to be wanted people like i don't know if anybody's ever been wanted it's fun to be wanted with a three being million wanted, check on the other line being wanted much better than not being wanted i can yes. tell you 
And right. let's be honest, there's 50% of Irish nation or whatever that hates Tommy Reese. I'm honestly surprised that, like, looking at the comments in the chats, now there are negative comments, but by and large, it's, you know, overwhelming, and it's and it's not as, you know, standing at the edge of the cliff as I thought it might be either. Well, and, and there's there's a good population of Notre Dame fans also that kind of saw where things were going, right? The last two quarterbacks to get recruited are really good, right? I mean, Minchie, Carr, those are Tommy Reese, right? He now is able to recruit the guys he wants to recruit. Those guys are really good. The fact that they brought in Sam Hartman got a lot of people excited about what this offense could be, and a lot of people gave Tommy Reese a lot of credit for that. Rightfully so, right? So I think people were starting to come over to Tommy Reese and be positive about what he was going to bring to the table at Notre Dame, and that's why it, you know, the sky is falling for some people because they just got on board with Tommy, and now he's leaving. So I get it to a degree, but it feels like it's a lot of the same people that hated his gut. Yeah, and I think that he, I think he probably won some people over with the fact that he could go out and recruit Sam Hartman and, sure. and get him here and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, I guess this is as good a time as any to bring that up. You know. Irish 17 is not the first person I've seen broach this subject. Is this sure. possible that it impacts Hartman? What do you think about that? Go ahead, Jess. You can pop this one on. Yeah, I think this is the biggest thing that I've actually uh, considered of, you know, the potential kind of repercussions that we might be able to see from all this is, are there certain guys who are attached to Tommy Reese and what he kind of sold them on, what the what their role was in the offense, and now are they – you know, kind of worried about what that role might look like considering a new offensive coordinator. There could be a little bit of change in scheme. Like you never know, you know, what the next person is going to do. And so is there any sort of fall off of guys leaving, Hartman leaving? And that's that's my biggest concern, honestly, is are there going to be guys that are potentially going to want to leave because of this? And you have to you have to know that when Hartman chose Notre Dame, that Tommy Reese had to be, you know, some sort of influence on that or some sort of factor on that. And the offense that he was going to run and the offense that he sold Hartman on, you know, for his last year in college. And so I definitely think it, it is something that needs to be talked about and broached. Uh, are, are guys going to want to leave now that, you know, the offense might not be the same of what they were anticipating? I think that you've got Marcus Freeman, though. And like I was reading Ryan Roberts on, on the board yesterday, touching base with some recruits and stuff like that. The bottom line is. The way that Marcus Freeman, with Marcus Freeman being the point man in recruiting and being so much more involved in recruiting than Brian Kelly was in the past, the relationship starts with the head coach. So there's there's still going to be a strong relationship there beyond just what position coach or coordinator happened to recruit you. Now, there's going to be spring practice. And at the end of spring practice, there's going to be another transfer portal window. So is there a chance you could see some movement? Sure. You know, and the other side of that is it's what's today, February 2nd or 3rd? February 3rd. And start of spring practice is not too far away. So this is this is a situation where Marcus Freeman's got to get moving on this pretty, you know, pretty quickly. I, sure. I would have to think, I would have to think. Because after Marcus Freeman took the job, Tommy Reese interviewed at Miami last year. He's talked to mm -hmm. Oregon before, and, you know, that was addressed. 
uh, at that press conference where the coordinators were officially introduced. But, you know, when Al Golden got in a couple days after the Super Bowl and they they put Al Golden up at the podium and Brian Mason up at the podium and Tommy Reese up at the podium, that was addressed that day by Marcus Freeman. Because you remember the comment, he's like, well, look, Tommy, do you want to be here or not? You know, that kind of thing. So I would have to think that Marcus Freeman has a pretty good short list of of potential guys that he would call right away, knowing that this situation could come up again in a year. And here we are. It did come up. So I, I would think he's got a pretty good idea of who his first couple calls are going to be. Well, and and if people are worried about Sam Hartman, you know what we get to do a week from today, Sean? You get to ask Sam Hartman Sam how Hartman. he feels. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be available to the media. We were going to get to do it today, but yeah, well, this whole thing changed that. Probably a good call to push those back a week. Everybody yes. gets their feet underneath them. We'll see what happens agree. with the search and all of that. Know for sure what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you're going to be able to talk to him, and he's going to be as honest as he can be. Without you know, I mean, there, there's going to be some some players speaking there, I'm sure. But that's the glory of it. We're going to be able to ask Sam Hartman how he feels about the whole situation. You know, here. Like so, Zach brought up Eric Bieniemy, you know, obviously facetiously, he's got the little, you know, laugh emoji on there. And I'm not saying Eric Bieniemy would come here. He's an NFL coordinator for one thing. He's not going to go back to Notre Dame to become a coordinator. He would go to college to become a head coach if that's what he wanted to do. But like Eric Bieniemy is an example of a guy who maybe since He's always been the hot commodity, and he still hasn't been promoted to a head coach. You know, we were talking about comfort yeah. zones. Like, maybe he needs to get out of that Andy Reid comfort zone after the Super Bowl is over, even if it's a lateral move to become a coordinator for some other NFL team. Like, he's, again, he's another example. It hasn't happened for him in Kansas City, and if he really wants to be a head coach, maybe that is what would be best for him. It's, it's going to be interesting to see it's what sidetrack. direction, you know, Freeman goes with this. And I'm sure yeah. names are going to leak and – you know, we can all have our the names that we would love to see, but you know, realistically, who is he going to go after? We'll see what happens. This is going to be a turning point for the career of Marcus Freeman. To yes. be honest with you, this is a massive opportunity for well, Marcus Freeman. Vince is jumping ahead, so let's just fill in the blank. Let's <laughs> let's go to that right now. Reese going to Alabama means blank for Marcus Freeman. Go ahead, Vince. It's a huge opportunity. That's what it means. It means. It means it's going to dictate the direction of his head coaching uh, resume and his head coaching tenure at the University of Notre Dame. It's either going to go really well or it's not going to go really well. I, I just don't see this being a middle-of-the-road hire. I, th I just think that we're going to see what Marcus Freeman believes about his team and about his offense. We're, we're going to have an opportunity to see it based on who he's talking to and what he thinks this team can be offensively. I'm very interested to see where he goes with this. Does he go pro style? Does he go more? You know, what what is he going to do? Like what 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 is Marcus Freeman going to do? This is a huge opportunity for him. It's going to be a career defining opportunity for him at the University of Notre Dame. Yeah, so uh, I, I agree with a lot of what was going to say. I think that this is a uh, a huge. Huge opportunity for, for Marcus Freeman in order to steer the direction of this football team for the next five to ten years, potentially, uh, and, and overall kind of dictate, you know, the, the way he wants things to go. 
because we know that there's an offensive identity that Marcus Freeman would like his team to have. And so he can now kind of mesh that with someone who, who lines up with what he wants. And I think that this, a lot of people have talked about, this is kind of a fresh start for both sides. And I agree with that. I, I, not that I, I, I think that Tommy should have like got fired or should have left or anything, but at, at some point you can almost look at it as being just a mutual kind of refresh of Tommy gets to take a chance in his career. And now Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman gets a chance, take their own chance uh, on the way that the rest of this program looks going forward. So I think uh, that he needs to go after someone of a, a, a bigger name. And I, I don't think that a promotion within is really what's warranted in this situation. I would like him to swing for the fence. And really, you know, like I said, he has this identity that he wants his team to play like. And I think this is a great opportunity for him to put his stamp on this team and really drive, you know, how the, how the things look going forward for the next five to 10 years. Yeah. And there's a lot on this because Tommy Reese was also, of course, the quarterback's coach and so are you going to hire an offensive coordinator who's definitely going to be the quarterback's coach or you know could a potential restructure of the staff come I mean it, it definitely there's sir sure. there's some opportunities to do some different things and really a year now you know after he had to hire many more assistant coaches than he thought he was going to have to hire last year when when you know some of the matriculation came along when Lance Taylor went and became a coordinator and John McNulty became a coordinator and those kind of things. Like this is now to me, this is going to be a career defining hire for Marcus Freeman, what he does with this offensive coordinator position. And Iris Shytown was asking just a second ago, uh, if I can find the comment here real quickly, do you go out and uh, you know, like Warren, Ruggiero at Wake Forest, the offensive coordinator there, because of the connection to Sam Hartman. And, you know, the question is, is that what you want your offense to be for the next 10 years, potentially? And I don't think so. I don't think that you make the offensive coordinator hire based on, and, you know, and and not only that, if you did that, (laughs) I'm not saying they've got a bad relationship, but like Hartman came here, yes, boost his own stock going forward to get out of that offense and, you know, do something that, that was more a pro style. So I don't think that that would be, I mean, I get the natural connection, but I don't think that would be good for either side. Marcus Freeman. And I agree with what Jesse's saying, swing for the fences, whether it is a, you know, big current name or a big up and coming type guy, like you can, you can cast your net everywhere now because what, what Notre Dame's got coming in from an offensive talent standpoint, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be appealing to some people. And, you know, again, I think it was good for Tommy Reese to be able to get out and kind of make his own name. And now I think it's going to be good for Marcus Freeman, even if he is going to, you know, give give most of the control, if not total control of the offense to the offensive coordinator. It's going to be good for him to handpick him, because remember, even though Marcus Freeman was fine with Tommy Reese being the OC, you know, Tommy Reese was hired and, and retained before Marcus Freeman was hired last year. So mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman, you know, he was good with that because he wanted staff continuity and, and all those things. But now he gets to go out and handpick who this next guy is going to be. Yep. Is it too early to get into like our, our speculations or our list of potential candidates? Because I've, I've been thinking and I, I got a list, throw it out there. 
<laughs> I really like Jason Candle uh, from Toledo, offensive coordinator. I actually watched a lot of their games, uh, you know, what, what he did with their quarterback and their style of offense. Uh, I liked. And another name that is might rub people the wrong way, kind of older, whatever, but I think he's a, a good quarterback developer and a good offense. You know, Paul Christ just just got relieved of his duties at Wisconsin. That's that's a name that would would be, you know, large. Like I said, good quarterback developer. Um, I saw this one on the Internet the other day. It's kind of funny. You could take it seriously or not. Jason Garrett, you know, out there, no. quarterback guy, offensive no. coordinator. No. <laughs> I, if, you I just thought, to... if you thought what you saw this year was conservative or whatever you want to call it for Notre Dame, you don't want a Jason Garrett offense. Trust me. I can't <laughs> I believe did... you would even say that. No, I cannot I did it for believe this you would even I did it for this reason. You just went to here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> a... <laughs> <laughs> you're like 75 percent be right. careful and i also like um andrew Sauter out of kent state i've not that i know too much about it but i again just someone that i've heard good things about and then last but not least uh andy ludwig from utah so again some of these smaller guys uh that you probably haven't heard too much of but again some good offensive minds that are out there i like paul christ honestly or chris christ i don't know how chris to chris, yeah, it's chris. chris. I, again, I know it's a little kind of – it might feel a little wonky because, again, of like his age and – you know. What did you like up, about Wisconsin's offense exactly? Well, yeah, more so of what he does as a quarterback developer. I, I don't think he'd run the I same offense. I don't give offense. a crap about that right now. I want an offense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wisconsin's offense – I mean, if I want to sleep through all the Notre Dame games, I mean, bring it on. Let's go. But, oh, that's horrible. I'm not saying your choice is horrible. I'm saying their offense is horrible. I just want to start the speculation. You're lucky you haven't been run off by the chat because that whole Jason Garrett thing is just... That was the whole point. It was they literally for the fun. I, I think they need to shoot a little higher as opposed to a bunch of Mac coaches. Now, you you can, like Brian always says, if you got the chops, you got the chops, and that's fine. If there, there's offensive coordinators out there that are good with X's and O's and all of those different things, and I can get on board with that. But, man, shoot your shot, man. Go get the – whoever Marcus Freeman has is a big name. I would actually call Brian Hartline. I would call him up. I would because I know those guys are close. And I was going to say, there's promoted. there. I know he you just know? got promoted to offensive coordinator at, at uh, Ohio State. But guess what? Ryan Day is an offensive-minded head coach. He is not giving up a lot of the things that have to do with uh, offensive side of the football. If he comes yeah. to Notre Dame, the offense is his. I'm giving that I'm making that phone call. Shoot for the moon and then we can kind of see where everything else falls out. I realize there is like a 0% chance that that would actually happen, but if you think I'm not making that call, if I'm Marcus Freeman, you're crazy. Of course I'm making that call. Of course I am. But it's look, a perfect time to shoot your shot. And Brady Quinn is not a coach, by the way. Just throwing that out. Did there. somebody say Brady Quinn? Yes. He's <laughs> not a coach. I mean, Brady Quinn can't be the answer to every question Notre Dame related. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's well, like bringing Manti Teo is in as the linebacker coach? Like he's not a coach. That's right. It's not. It's not that. Yeah. I mean, was someone just trying to impress his wife that you know, <laughs> Randall? <laughs> That's it's the 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 Brady Quinns and the Manti Teo uh, suggestions for coaches on Notre Chris Dame staff Quinn. is it's getting up there on the jabroni scale for me. Don't forget the recruiting aspect has to be, you know, because like 
when you look at the other coordinator hire, the defensive coordinator hire, I'm not counting special teams, but the defensive coordinator hire, you know, that's that's one of the knocks on Al is the recruiting aspect. And Absolutely. You have to make sure that it that it's not only an X's and O's sound guy and a guy who can develop quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. But Marcus Freeman said from day one the importance of recruiting, and you better be a recruiter. So he can't he can't leave that off the list when he goes out. Yes, and makes the absolutely. And and look, a quarterback developer, Jess, is a very important piece of this. I agree with you completely on that end of it. No doubt, but it's got to be more than just that. You've got to have a you've got to have a dynamic offense. For well, yeah, that that was the drawback on someone like Paul is that the the offensive explosion was never really there. Right. Wisconsin was more of a power run team. They produced a lot of power run or you know NFL running backs. So uh, for what Notre Dame has, and I think what they try what, what they would try to accomplish, it wouldn't be a great fit. Again, I was just kind of you know just throwing out some names to start the conversation a little bit. Sure, I get it, and I. If you want to answer that one, that's fine. I got another one I want to pull up too. Go ahead. I mean, we're talking about recruiting. Do you guys think? Again, I think that at least for the short term, everything is good. Sure, right me now. too. I do. Too. This yeah. isn't a head coach change. This is offensive coordinator yeah. change. Yeah. And big I think difference that, in those yeah, two. Big, big difference. Absolutely a big difference. Uh, I wanted to pull this one up. It says, are there other former top Notre Dame college football players that are now coaches that we would be looking for in this OC hire? We did give Todd Light and a couple of others a try over the years. Here, and I'm being completely honest and serious when I say this. I do not want an offensive coordinator that we're giving a try to. I want somebody that is an that track record coach that has a track record of having good offenses. We're not in the business of giving it a try. And having a Notre Dame connection would be at the bottom of my list of prerequisites. Absolute last thing on the list. That's like yeah. a, a throw-in bonus if that happens to be the case. And right. off the top of my head, there is nobody that would fill that criteria. And there were a lot of, like, Todd Light as a coach. Uh, uh, gosh, why is his name escaping me? The the former running backs coach at Notre Dame went on. Autry Denson. Coach. Autry Denson. Not a good hire. Like, we can't hire people just because they went to Notre Dame. That That's just not a good way of doing business, period. Yeah, I mean, I think the only – person now this is off the top of my head the only person i can think of with a notre dame connection that would be you know like that it would it, not for the offensive coordinator position tyler stockton down at ball state sure. is probably the most successful someone with a notre dame connection right, right. now and he's not you even know, ready that, to be a defensive line coach i think at this level but eventually yes i agree with you hundred percent. I would bring him in as a defensive line coach, not as a defensive coordinator. Right. You know? Yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not right, saying, right, 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 he right. Would be, he would like, be like, yeah, go from the Mac. He would be D line coach candidate right. type of guy. If it was going to come to that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So but I again, think another thing that you have to kind of consider in this whole thing is it's gotta be someone that's like taking a step up in their career. Cause I don't think you're just going to poach an offensive coordinator off of someone and, and, and kind of be, you know, what, what a, many people are considering a lateral move, right? Like it's gotta be someone who's also kind of maybe taking a stepping stone or someone that's taking a, a move that is advancing their career at the same time. So I think that's also, that has to be, you know, something that's looked at on the other side is it's hard to find that huge big name 
sometimes because of you know you you're not you you weren't always a big name. You have to you kind of have to get a job in, in certain regards, like you know coming to Notre Dame and then you know kind of get, showing off and, and starting your career in some regards. If that makes sense for what I'm trying to say. Philip wants to know, you think Notre Dame will get a, a quarterback coach now? Yes, he'll also be the offensive coordinator. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you think definitely they'll they'll they'll, they'll package it? Uh, I, do, I do only because as I look at the current staff, I don't think anybody has quarterback coaching on their resume. We know Chancey Stuckey doesn't, right? Deal yeah. McCullough doesn't. Uh, obviously, uh, Harry doesn't. doesn't. Uh, yeah. The only one that might is the tight ends coach, and I, I'm not 100% sure of his background. Uh, I could look it up. But I there's nobody, to my knowledge, that has quarterback coaching in their background, so that would eliminate that possibility. Uh, let's see here. Parker. Mm-hmm. Let's see, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, wide receivers. Yeah, see, he's never coached quarterbacks either. He's been a passing game coordinator, but he's never actually coached quarterbacks. So, yeah, I would not put that on somebody. I want somebody with experience for both things, quarterbacks and offensive coordinator. So, yeah, I, I think that's what they're looking for at this point. I think it's a package deal. I would think so as well. Uh, John says, worst part, we'll be listening to Paul Feinbaum talk up Alabama, put this move in Notre Dame's face. God, I can't stand that, man. <laughs> There's a solution to that, John. It's called don't listen to Paul Feinbaum. If, you know, <laughs> just avoid it if that's how you feel. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> just to kind of put a button on the whole quarterback coach, you know, you can hire somebody to be an analyst, but they can't coach on the field. Yes. So that's not going to do you any good. They could go over film with them, which is fine, but they can't coach on the field. You need a coach on the field to actually go through drills and coach them up and you know do all of those things. So you can't just hire an analyst as the quarterback's coach. Ladarius yeah. loves him. I'm sure fun. he does. I mean, if you're I'm an not, SEC team. Because Feinbaum loves Nick Saban. So. <laughs> uh, all right. So there are some people – who've said this is a, a bad or even terrible look for Notre Dame with Tommy Reese packing up and making this move to Alabama. Do you guys buy or sell that? Uh, I'll just be short and blank and honest. No, you can't really control, you know, when, when people come and leave, especially coaches, uh, there's always opportunities to take a next step in your career. It's just like, you know, anyone that has a job and they, they find, you know, a potential something that's, that's better for them and, and, you know, the next step in their career. So I, I don't necessarily think this is a bad look. And I think people would, might say that because, you know, Tommy Reese, this is his alma mater. He's only been at Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, at the end of the day, it's it's not a look and it's a bad look. And ultimately, it's not, not really controllable at the end of the day, uh, in my opinion, as well. It's not a bad look for Notre Dame because I think anybody that gets called by – well, I shouldn't say anybody because I know that some people turned him down. But most people – Getting getting a call from Dick Saban to be their offensive coordinator, going from one offensive coordinator position to Alabama is not a bad look. That's a resume booster. It's a resume builder. I, it's not a bad look for Notre Dame. I'm sorry. It's not, Notre Dame's not at the level of Alabama, no matter what people want to say. They're just not as a program. 
I think Notre Dame's offense could be better than Alabama's offense in 2023 and maybe beyond. But right now, if anybody says that Notre Dame's program is at a higher level than Alabama's program, is wrong. I'm sorry. Six national championships. <laughs> no national championships in the time that Nick Saban right. has been at Alabama. It is right? what it is, right? Yeah, and I mean, a seventh for Nick, obviously, in his career from LSU as well. And there's really... Georgia is probably the only program in the country right now where, like, both of your coordinators would say, you know, what do we need to do that for? <laughs> Everyone else, this is a huge step up. This is a huge career path, a, a huge step up in your career to make a move everywhere else but Georgia probably. You know, Clemson, you know, like there's obviously been talk about would Dabo take the job once Saban retires and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Even at Clemson. I think it's a step up for a team that's, you know, a program that's won a couple of national championships sure. in the last few years. So literally like Georgia is probably the, probably the only one <laughs> where you don't have to make that move because you're going to be just as in demand and, and have the ability to move on, you know, to the, to the, to the next big thing, you know, like you, you're going to go from Georgia. Your next move is probably to the NFL. Like you don't need to go to Alabama to do that. Everybody else, just what you said, what you know, what both of you guys said. So I don't think this is a bad look. Yeah. On Notre Dame at all. Like, does it? Well, you know, I was about to say, does it stink that you lost Brian Kelly to LSU last year? Now, obviously, a lot of people would say no, <laughs> myself included. You know, but like <laughs> my my point is, no one ever really thought that uh, of Notre Dame as a stepping stone type sure. position. Give you that. But again, when you look at the track record that Nick Saban assistants have in advancing their career after, you know, spend a couple years at Alabama, do your do your Nick Saban internship, yep. and you're you're gonna end up being the CEO someplace pretty quickly. You yep. know, and and again, like if I'm Tommy Reese, I'm looking at Brian Dable and what Brian Dable was able to accomplish in a span of what, six or seven years going from going to NFL coordinator and NFL head coach. And I think that that's where Tommy Reese wants to be in a few years. So like he could be a potentially an NFL head coach way before he's 40, if things work out the way he probably thinks they're going to work out. So, and and I, I, I agree with some of the posters and that they're saying that Notre Dame's needle is pointing up and maybe Alabama's is pointing down a little bit. Like they're not the powerhouse that they used to be. Thanks right. to, you know, what Georgia's doing and all of those. I don't disagree with any of that. I really don't. I, I think Notre Dame's needle is pointing up. I do. And maybe eventually they will surpass Alabama. But as we speak right now, Alabama is a better program than Notre Dame until Notre See, Dame proves otherwise. Michael, I would I would disagree with this. Like, I would too. The rec especially like, okay, maybe you can question his recruiting because of who was sitting, you know, who who ended up here. But at the same time, you can also draw that connection to Brian Kelly and what Brian Kelly would want wanted, as well as Brian Kelly's lack of involvement in the recruiting side. And again, I, you know, I think that what they're getting now at the recruiting position did Tommy Reese play a part in it? Of course he did. But again, 
the reason why I'm not concerned about what happens with recruiting and a bunch of decommitments and, you know, whatever, you know, guys transferring and all these different kind of things is because of the relationship that starts at the top with the head coach. So I, I think that that Marcus Freeman's involve, involvement in the recruiting is is going to be a big feather in his own cap and and keep things in the place that it's supposed to be. As far as the developer of quarterbacks, you know, again, like raise your hand if you had heard of Jack Cohn before right. two years ago. And look what Jack Cohn did and spent, you know, at least parts of the season on NFL rosters. It gave himself a chance to be in the NFL, which I don't think probably anyone at Wisconsin would have thought was going to happen when he left you know, Wisconsin to come to Notre Dame. They're like, good riddance. See you, Jack. Yeah, Don't let it yeah. hit you, you know, in the butt. And again, look at the fact that with Drew Pine, they went eight and two this year. Like, you you can say they should have had a, a better level, you know, higher level, higher caliber of quarterback here to begin with. But I don't think that, 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 uh, I don't think that you can criticize his development of quarterbacks. Ian Book set a lot of records on an NFL roster as well. Yeah. Well, and I, and I will say in the Super yeah. Bowl, he's not on the <laughs> roster, but whatever. Uh, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so here's what I'll say to the whole recruiting quarterback development and all that. From a recruiting standpoint, since he has had the shackles off of who he's allowed to recruit, he's recruited two really good quarterbacks. Yes. That's my opinion. Okay. So from a recruiting standpoint, I think he is a pretty good recruiter. All right. And you can say, you know, he's had a hand in the wide receivers that they've brought in, the running backs that they brought. I mean, he is the offensive coordinator. So as much as you like to bang on Tommy Reese, you got to give him credit as well for helping to bring in these kids. And Minchie and Carr are two pretty darn good quarterbacks, right? And those are the first two quarterbacks that are two classes of quarterback that he's been able to recruit without having to have the sign-off of Brian Kelly. That was the issue in the past. And he has shown that he can recruit quarterbacks. You want to talk about from a development standpoint, maybe there's an argument there to a degree. That's fine. But they weren't starting at a very high level at, for some of these players as well. And it seems to me like he did pretty good with what he had. So you can be upset about it. You can say they need a quarterback's coach. That's fine. Let I, I was really excited to see what he was going to be able to do with Sam Hartman, Kenny Minchie, and CJ Carr over the next Same. few years. Yeah. Because I think he would have done just fine. He would have developed them just fine. So we'll see. Now he's going to an unproven situation in Alabama. So you're going to get a real you're going to get a front row seat to see whether he can re, he can uh, recruit number one and number two develop quarterbacks because right now that's a very unproven position at Alabama. Does it say anything to you that the report that came out that I think Eric Hansen had first about money was not going to be an issue? Um, does it does it say anything about this situation if that's the case that money wasn't an issue that he's still at Alabama right now? It just means that he left for the right reasons and not just for the paycheck. For all the reasons we talked about. Yeah, yeah. that's what it says not to me. The, not yeah. just the big paycheck. Yeah, that's that's what it says to me. Jess, any thoughts on that? No, I, I agree with what Ben said. I don't think that money was really in, a, a close anywhere close to his priorities, and it was all about 
you know, the, the, the opportunities that Saban provides his coordinators and assistants and, you know, where he wanted to go with his career and what those next steps look like. And being a part of Saban's staff, I think, gave him the best opportunity for what he's looking for going forward. Yeah. All right. How about Drew Pine? <laughs> the Drew Pine situation down there at Arizona State got interesting. Yes, this it did. Week. He's got some company down there at Arizona State. Jaden Rashada. He originally, well, he committed to the Sun Devils this week. He's the number 31 high school prospect in the country and originally signed with Florida during the early signing period. But he was released from his letter of intent. He actually signed on the dotted line. He was released because a Florida collective, University of Florida collective, had promised him a $13.5 million NIL deal that ultimately they were unable to come through on. They didn't have the money after they told him they were going to give him $13.5 bucks. What do you guys think about this whole situation? Uh, so I think there's two things. One, it's ridiculous uh, that this is already, you know, what the, the NIL is, is doing, that guys are going to be you know guaranteed this and they're like ah you know what i'm not no longer getting that i'm packing up and leaving but what did you expect honestly so it's just kind of crazy that it's already all happening and two i i don't think this really affects too much with drew pine honestly i think that uh just like every year there's always you know good you know recruits at your position coming in luckily for drew pine he has some experience compared to this guy that'll be coming in so i don't necessarily think that uh that you know the, that the job is just going to be given over to someone like this. I think that Drew Pine should feel comfortable about where he's at. As long as he does the things that he did with Notre Dame, I think he'll be the starting quarterback next season. I would say that, yes, Drew Pine is going to have the first right of refusal there, but this kid's going to be nipping at his heels. But the the thing is with this kid, he's boomer bust, right? You kind of know what you're going to get with Drew Pine. I don't think anybody has a clue what they're going to get with this kid. And he might not even be there at the end of the year. I mean, it true. I guarantee you Arizona Somebody State wasn't offering him. Paycheck down yeah, the line. exactly. So look, Drew Pine's going to have to battle and he was going to have to battle regardless, I think, but it got a little bit more murky for him. I don't see Drew Pine losing the starting position going into the beginning of the, of the year. He's going to get the first right of refusal essentially. But if this kid hits his ceiling, then Drew Pine's going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think that that Drew Pine is fine is probably fine for this year. Like, you know, right. they, they they get a a quarterback with experience with a new head coach coming in, build your program and all that stuff. I think Pine is fine this year. Maybe even you know Rashada gets on the field and you know like a a Drew Pine type package or something like that. You know, gets some series or plays or whatever it happens to be. At some point, I mean, I, I think it's next year that Drew Pine needs to really be worried, assuming this guy is still around and developing right. at the rate they think that they are, you know, like. But here's 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 a newsflash, Drew, like no matter where you go, there's going to be competition. This is this is power five college sports. You know, there's going to be competition someplace. So he's run into some new competition and we'll see how he handles that whole thing who's to say you know maybe he doesn't end up bouncing someplace else it's not like we haven't seen guys like slovis and daniels bounce to you know third and fourth schools and all that kind of stuff so i don't know really interesting this i i, I had heard about this a, a few weeks back when this whole 
NIL deal fell through and then really hadn't heard much about where this guy was going to end up. And then boom, all of a sudden signing day rolls around the other day. And, and of course he's at Arizona state. So 13 and a half million bucks they promised. And it's like, you just, you wonder how much money, you know, like talking about, you know, these, what it sign on bonuses or whatever, you know, we're calling them right now. Like how much money is being promised to, to some of these guys exactly. that we don't even know about, you know? Exactly. And then just probably pulled right out from under them. Yeah. Yep. That's reality. Yep. So former Notre Dame cornerback, Julian Love, who of course is now a safety with the New York Giants. He grabbed some headlines for uh, some things that he said about Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni on Good Morning Football yesterday. Love said Sirianni is, quote, in for a free ride now. You guys can coach this team, end quote. He was saying that you guys can coach this team to the Good Morning Football hosts on the show. You know, basically saying that anyone can coach the Eagles because the roster is so talented. Are Love's comments fair or foul? I mean, they're a little sour grapes, obviously, but... Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily have an issue with it. They are super duper talented. And but guess what? Every coach that has a lot of success has a super duper talented roster. Okay. This isn't Hoosiers. Uh, you know, this is reality. This is the NFL. Uh, more often than not, the best roster is going to win. You still gotta call the plays, you still gotta put the scheme in, you still gotta coach them. It sounds a little sour grapeish to me. He's not wrong about it being a great roster but you still got to coach them. And so I see it both ways. I don't really have a problem with him saying it, but it's, it's a little short-sighted. I mean, <laughs> I definitely think when it comes from a divisional rival or divisional opponent that there is, like Vince said, there, there's sour grapes that come with it. And I'll agree with that. But at the same time, I, I've, I've, I've been on, you know, ever since they beat San Francisco, I think this is, generally been one of the easier paths to the Super Bowl that I've seen in the last 10 years. And then you're given that sort of roster, um, you know, the hardest, let, let's, let's, let's be honest about it. the hardest teams that the, the Eagles had to play in the regular season were the Cowboys and the Vikings, two of, you know, some of the teams that you would probably consider to flop once they got to the playoffs and not that the Cowboys flopped, but the Vikings definitely flopped in the first round you get to play a giant team that's not very great for the third time. You get to play a quarterback five for the NFC championship. And so to me, it's a very good situation to be in. Um, but like Vince said, you still have to coach. You still have to make the decisions. You still have to call the plays. You still need to tailor your offense around Jalen Hurts. Those are all influential things. So it's, it's a toss-up for me, to be honest with you. I think it's 50-50. And also, like Vince said, any good team is built around a good you know, roster that general management has put together. So I think there's a lot of things that were placed in place for Sirianni to have success. That is that, that were, you know, that not, not all coaches have the luxury of, uh, but at the same time, he still did a lot of things to, to work his scheme and, and, and overall on a daily basis, be a coach. So I, I'm 50, I mean, 50 on this. When Julian, this it's, it's funny. Cause I was watching this yesterday and Julian love is, is so relatively soft-spoken that like it, these comments didn't stand out to me that much. You know, it was kind of funny when he said it, but like when he was at Notre Dame, he's he's far from a guy who's, you know, who was going to go out on a limb and say anything shocking 
by any means. So it, it's definitely funny. To, I mean, like you look at Nick Sirianni and the guy looks a little off his, his, his rocker to me, quite honestly, like the look in his eyes, he has got, I'm not even going to say what I really think about <laughs> you know, the, the look that he's got in his eyes, but he, you know, he looks like he's in a, in, in another dimension sometimes, but I will say this one, they're in the Super Bowl, So give them that Two, they're in the Super Bowl. Yes. In part because of the, the, the roster that, that, uh, you know, that they were able to put together there. But also, he made the call on Jalen Hurts at, right. at quarterback. And that That's was the not... biggest decision he made was developing yeah. Hurts and then sticking with Hurts this season. Yeah, that's exactly right. He, you know, but like to what Julian Love said, I just think it's funny because it, it's a division rival. You're going to have to play these guys twice a year. He's not ripping the players by any means, but he's obviously just taking a, you know, it's actually a compliment to the players. It's like, you guys are so damn talented. It doesn't matter who's yeah. coaching you, you know, like anybody should be able to coach that, you know, the, the biggest move that I'll, that I'll give to Sirianni is making the call on Jalen Hurts last year. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's true. You know, there's nothing that Julian Lump said that was wrong. And like, you know, he, he was asked about Sirianni, you know, kind of like, mugging for the camera or something like that on the sideline. And Julian Love is like, I don't like it, to be quite honest. You know? So, hey, he's going he's gonna to have to live with it. That's fine. But I, I love the fact that, honestly, to me, I like the fact that division rivals are kind of, you know, poking shots at each other out there in yeah, public. Because like it. it's much more exciting than most of the vanilla nobody says anything anymore so i like the fact that julian loves going out sam i love conference rivalries and i gotta i gotta discredit with my boy you know i saw two very discouraging things when uh the 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 giant or sorry when the eagles were playing san francisco the empire state building was lit up eagles colors i swear if i ever saw a building in dallas when the eagles (laughs) or giants were playing in the playoffs and they lit up the other team's colors that are in my division i mean come on what are we doing and i gotta give micah parsons crap for saying that he hopes that the Eagles win the Super Bowl for the division. It's no man. That's that's not no, what it is. That's not a no. conference. It's that's not like no, 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 no. And I don't like that anyway. By the way, when like you know Ohio State's in the in the national championship and the head coach at Purdue is like, go Ohio State, win it for the conference. Like no, right. don't no. <laughs> You're not I on the same it. team. I'm no. sorry. That means nothing to me. I will never, ever feel that way when I was coaching high school and an NIC team went to the state championship I was rooting hard against them no yeah oh yeah that's terrible like Michael said they go back to the 80s but I mean Buddy Ryan you know won I mean he was taking shots at everybody I mean he was coming after the Cowboys and you had you know like there wasn't bounty gate but there were bounties you know they they put a bounty on the freaking Dallas kicker you know like it's hard to put a good hit on a kicker but Buddy Ryan was putting hits on the kickers out there buddy ryan was was stirring the pot with there i mean hell he was stirring the pot with mike ditkin for that matter when they were still yes, he was. yes so. he was all right final question tonight tom brady has a 375 million dollar contract to start working at fox Crazy. now that he is retired <laughs> from playing football Vince, that would make retirement easy, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. <laughs> he knew he had that in his back pocket. I know. I think my son's going to retire. Cash my check. Hey, <laughs> jabronis, will you let me finish the question here? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, meanwhile, <laughs> I'm almost Greg Olson is going to call the Super Bowl next week, and Fox's 
number one booth with Kevin Burkhart. And of course, Olsen is in his first season in that number one booth. So my question to you two is, what should Fox do with Brady and Olsen next season when Brady is a part of the package? I, I, you look, here, here's how I feel about the whole thing. You're, you're, you know, it's kind of like that whole, you drafted him number one, you kind of had to give him a shot kind of a thing. I don't think you make that decision right away as far as who's doing the Super Bowl or, you know, who's doing the the A playoff game. Give him some games. Let's see how it goes. You know, if he ends up being really good, yeah, you put him in that number one slot. But I know that they pair these guys up in the offseason and they pretty much stay together the whole way. So that's that's going to be really tough. What they're going to do is they're going to put him in the number one slot because that's what they're paying him. They're paying him to be the number one guy. So that's how they're probably going to end up doing it. I would slow play it a little bit more, but I don't have $375 million on the hook <laughs> either. So he's probably going to be the number one guy. Sorry, Olsen. Oh, he's going to be the number one guy. I mean, I guess the bigger question is, what do you do with Greg Olson? Like, do no, you make he becomes this, number two. Do you make this a three-man booth, or do you just oh, bounce him to number two right no, away? Three-man no. booth, that too many. Three-man is, is I mean, too many. Too many. It, it worked in Monday Night Football back in the day, and they had some big personalities in there. Too many. I don't like I it. Don't, I don't like it. <laughs> so first of all, you broke some unfortunate news that I have to listen to Greg Olson during the Super Bowl. So thank you for informing me of this tragic event, first and foremost. You're not going to cry for losing. You're, you're like, Jesse is <laughs> the 1%. He is the only guy in America who is anti-Greg Olson. Don't like he, Greg Olson. He pouts because Greg Olson was too hard on his Cowboys from time to time. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You're right. Thank you for bringing it up once again. I am not a Greg Olson fan, and now I have to listen to him during the Super Bowl. So I'm glad I know that. Uh, second, I, I just think this is a matter of, you know, kind of when Romo transitioned from the booth himself. They're, they're going to pair him up with someone. I think he's going to get some, you know, have some, some, some practice runs or some some kind of training in the off season of doing some, you know, smaller games. Uh, and eventually he'll work his way into being the number one spot at Fox. And that's strictly because of the money he's going to make. It's like when you draft a, a quarterback, number one, overall, you know, it's only a matter of time before everyone's going to want to see him. And when it's anticipated that he's going to be that guy. And I think it's a similar situation. I think it's just a matter of time, you know, before Tom Brady, Steps into that number role, assuming number one role, assuming his comfortability. There's no awkwardness, the flow, all that stuff. Um, but I don't think he should just solely be there because of his name. I, I think that he'd have to be better uh, than Greg Olson, and Greg Olson has obviously been doing it for you know some time now. So I think that Greg Olson is good at what he does. I just don't enjoy him as a, in, in a fan experience level. Because <laughs> it's like I watch the same games you do, and I like you. You, uh, you're just such a homer, is what you are. You know, you sit there, and you know everyone. You know, you, you've got this whole Joe Buck effect with Greg Olson of all people. Everybody else loves him. I think he does a good job of explaining things. He knows the rules. He explains the game well. Is he as great as as a lot of people have made him out to be in his first season? Mm -hmm. I, not his first season. His first season in the number one booth. I don't think so. But at the same time, I do think he's good. I have no problem with a, with a three-man booth if the personalities mesh. I mean, it's something I think that they could experiment with in the summer. You know, like they give these guys auditions with, with other announcers in front of TVs and stuff like that. Experiment with it. See if it works. We have no idea what Tom Brady is actually going to be like. A lot of people don't think he's going to be good in the booth. A lot of other people 
don't think that he's going to stick around for the full 10 years that he's got. I mean, that's that's a lot of money to walk away from, you know, for one thing. But I, I think that he's probably going to be pretty good. I, and again, I don't I don't mind a three man booth if the personalities mesh and they can experiment a little a bit with that. I mean, it sucks for Greg Olson, but that's life. I mean, he's still going to get a nice paycheck. He's still going to get to call. Right. games and if tom brady does walk away before the 10 years he'll end up back in the number one booth most likely yep so absolutely olsen will be just fine and if he doesn't like it at fox i'm sure somebody else will pick him up you yeah. know i mean that's just the reality of the situation he'll be just fine you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy let's do it later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Michael is working Ouch. towards jabroni status. Michael, yeah. Mr. Bola, Cowboys are not America's team. I mean, you know. You don't like the Cowboys. Well, I mean, they're self-proclaimed. Tell that to the TV networks. Tell that to the TV networks who do everything they can yeah. to put them on in every primetime game they can because they know the ratings they're going to draw. $45 million on Thanksgiving Day. Just saying. It is what it is. Highest rated regular season game ever. Uh, we obviously had some people come in late, so we can yes. kind of circle back around and, you know. Yes, we did. Get back to the, to the biggest topic at hand with Tommy Reese. So... Thoughts, guys, on uh, you know what you think Notre Dame might do now with the offensive coordinator position. Jesse, you want to throw out your terrible list again? No, no, I'll save it. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you, man. No, as long I. Once you don't mention the one guy, I, I, th this is all fairly new information as far as you know. Tommy going to Alabama and having to look at other offensive coordinators and all of that. I haven't had a chance to dive into it. I want Marcus Freeman to shoot for the moon. I, I want him going after the biggest names in his mind that he can go after the most perfect fit that he wants to go after. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see him settling for a Mac guy or a guy that we've never heard of. Like maybe that guy could work. Maybe that guy could be great, but I, I want him to reach for the stars, man. Call Brian Hartline right now. Give him a call. See if he's interested you know, that kind of a thing. You know, I, I just want somebody who's a proven quarterbacks coach, a proven offensive coordinator, has a track record, and is going to put up some points. That's what I want because Notre Dame's going to have a decent defense. They're going to have a lot of weapons on offense. This is the, – the window is opening for Notre Dame. You can't take a step back by taking a, a flyer on somebody as offensive coordinator. You can't right. do that. So Joe Brady is a guy whose name has come up quite a bit. and It has. He's the quarterback's coach in Buffalo right now with the Buffalo Bills. Of course, he left LSU to uh, to work with the Carolina Panthers. 
before that didn't work out in Carolina. Could it be because they had, uh, I don't know, horrible quarterbacks? Possibly, but yeah. I, I guess it's a, I guess it's a matter of, you know, does Joe Brady want to be an NFL quarterbacks coach with an eye on being a coordinator in the NFL, or would he want to go back to college? You know, like we know that Joe Burrow had a hell of a year with him in their one sure. year together down there at LSU, so we know that it has worked out before and you know again like i think it's a call worth making to at least gauge you know where he is and and what he's looking for is he going to stick around for more than one or two years you know if they have a big year or two is he actually going to be in it for a few years before moving on those kind of things but i definitely think it's he's he's a guy worth kicking the tire on because of the track record that he has in that in that time at lsu I, but i think the biggest question with him is again does he want to be a college coach and does he, you know, and, or does he want to recruit and those kind of things? Does he want to stay in the NFL? I think that's probably the biggest question for him right now. Agreed. Yeah. I'm on, I'm along the same sentiment of swing big first, go after some of those bigger names with a more proven uh, track record. But if those things kind of fall through, there was, you know, some kind of up and coming names that I thought uh, were, were pretty notable and, one of them was Jason Candle over at Toledo, who was offered uh, the Miami offensive coordinator position, I believe, last year. Um, and Andy Ludwig uh, with the Utah offense. So, again, guys who may be more under the radar uh, that you could potentially kind of start talking to uh, after you, you take your big swing after, you know, some of the guys that you guys potentially mentioned. You know, really, Stephen is asking, he wanted to hear the reaction of losing Tommy Reese and and I guess really you know we we looked at it more from you know like Reese and what this means for him in his career we looked at it from Marcus Freeman and this offensive coordinator hire and and sort of the perception issue for Notre Dame like you know so I guess what do you think about the fact that Notre Dame is losing Tommy Reese right now well, it's just interesting all these people who are – not all these people. You see some of the people in here, or Tommy Reese wasn't good, or Tommy Reese was holding us back, or Tommy Reese was nothing special. Listen, I have news for everyone out there. Nick Saban, the greatest college coach, isn't just calling Tommy Reese if he's nothing special or if he's nothing great you know, or anything like that. So I think that that conversation should be dropped in some regards. Um, and overall reaction, I, I kind of said it earlier and when we first started – I think it's a good refresh on both sides. I think it's an opportunity for Tommy Reese to take whatever he sees as the next step in his career uh, and potentially for Marcus Freeman to kind of guide this program in the, the literal direction that he wants it to go for, you know, the next five to 10 years. And it's his opportunity to make a splash and get that name that he wants uh, and, and lead this offense, you know, to, to what he envisioned uh, when he took over the head coaching job at Notre Dame. So I have no ill will. I think this is, Good on both ends. I didn't want to lose Tommy Reese, but I'm okay with losing Tommy Reese if that's if that's uh, provides any clarification. I would say I'm not happy that he's leaving because I knew I had a pretty good idea what we were going to get from Notre Dame's offense moving forward, and now that's all in flux. That's a giant question mark. I don't like not knowing things. I don't like things being in flux. Could this work out to Notre Dame's benefit? Could it work out to Marcus Freeman's benefit in the long run? Sure, it could, depending on who they get, no doubt about it. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is a loss. It's a loss. I'm not happy that he's leaving. 
I don't have any ill will towards him for leaving. I get why he's leaving. I don't have a problem with that. From a Notre Dame standpoint, it's a loss. Let's Maybe I change my tune depending on who they bring in. But right now, it's a loss. No doubt about it. Because the unknown for me is scary. And I thought I knew what the offense was going to be next year. Now I don't know. And so that's scary to me. Well, spring ball is right around the corner. Like there's a lot of things that are going to be moving here and not knowing who your offensive coordinator is, is not a good feeling, right? Like they are gearing up for next season, literally in about a month. They're already probably doing, you know, workouts and that sort of stuff, but getting on the field and having actual practices will begin in about a month or so. So they have that literal amount of a window to figure out who their next guy is going to be. And that's not a lot of time. I do feel like there is a don't know what you got till it's gone kind of quality to this whole thing as well. You know, there's there's kind of some revisionist stuff going on with with a lot of people. It's like, you know, there there are still people bashing Tommy Reese, but not as many as I honestly thought I was going to hear. You know, there's there's a lot more of kind of the initial, you know, kind of like comparing it to the initial shock of Brian Kelly before we found out what a turdy was with the way he handled everything, you know, like with, with the players and all that stuff. There was, you know, there was there was a pretty overwhelming initial, like, oh, we're losing Brian Kelly, you know, what are we going to do? And that kind of stuff. It turned really quickly, again, when you found out, you know, being in California and, and you know, walking out on the Meriwethers and their, their burn-ins and all that stuff and the seven-minute meeting and, and everything else. But there's definitely a lot more, I, I think, people, you know, who uh, who are kind of putting their arms a little bit more around Tommy Reese than I thought they were going to. I mean, you lose a known commodity. And I think one of, one of you guys said, you know, like, there's like the fear of the unknown. And yeah. Tommy Reese could have definitely had that as well and just say, hey, I'm comfortable here. It's a place I've been for a long time. But look, you know, he's still single. He doesn't have kids. He's still only 30 years old. Like all these things, if you're going to make a move, now's the time to do it. You know, so like from his aspect, again, I think we all completely agree that it's really good for him. Notre Dame is losing a good coordinator. And, you know, you know, Again, like you, you want to knock his his track record of developing quarterbacks. I, I, you said it, Vince. I mean, he was right there to help mold Ian Book into the program's all-time winningest quarterback. And he took a guy like Jack Cohn and made him someone who was, you know, at least to some degree in demand in, in terms of the NFL. And he won eight games with a backup quarterback this year so you know there are a lot of good things that he did you know like were there were there blemishes in plain sight with with some things of course there were not everything was perfect so I think I think he's going to be missed but at the same time it's a golden opportunity now for Marcus Freeman to really put a firm stamp on his program and and again I you know I said it earlier that uh, this is going to be probably the biggest hire of Marcus Freeman's career now, this no offensive coordinator, because it's going to show exactly what he's looking for in in this offense and, and the guy who coaches the quarterbacks. Absolutely. This is going to be a, a career at Notre Dame defining decision for Marcus Freeman. No doubt about it. This is going to decide whether the arrow keeps going up or whether he flatlines and ends up going down. <laughs> this one right here. 
no, no, Antoine Porsche Rideau. Is that how you say it? Byron Leftwich, no, no. <laughs> like, did you see that mess in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady at quarterback this year? And, and no, I'm sorry. No, I, I'm firmly against that. Absolutely. This is a, see, here's the other thing that people have to understand. This is a very desirable job, a very desirable job. You have a lot of things in place right now at the University of Notre Dame on the offensive side of the ball. This is going to be a very desirable job. Marcus Freeman is going to be able to pick who he wants, I think, for the most part. A lot of people are going to be interested in this. A lot of people. And of course, it needs to be a good recruiter. What did Marcus Freeman say about the assistant coaches on his staff? What does he want? Good recruiters. recruiters. Okay. So that will happen. It, it It's going to be, like I said, this is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. I don't know, Stymie. Can Romo coach up a quarterback? Oh Here we go, God. Jim. <laughs> I mean, go get Dan Orlovsky for that matter. <laughs> um. I don't know why Tommy changed his handle. It, may, it makes him harder to, to spot. <laughs> I know, right? Bully. Who y'all taking next year, BK or Reese? I will never take BK, so I will always be who the other one. So it'll be I will be rooting hard for Alabama when they play LSU. I was this year too, so yeah, don't worry. Can't disagree with that. Can't disagree. Yeah, I just you know the other funny part about this is like I think that when you look at how this worked out. This could either be, I don't think it's going to be a total disaster, but there are definitely some people who are like, to them, this is the best case scenario. Tommy Reese moves on. He is no longer the offensive coordinator. You have no ties back to Brian Kelly with whatever, you know, fundamentally and foundationally, you've, you know, you've completely purged yourself of that now. So Tommy Reese, you know, gets, gets a big pay raise. He moves on to Alabama and, you know, again, now you get to reset. And yep. I think there were some people who, you know, were like, ah, well, we're going to be stuck with Tommy Reese for the next few years or whatever. You know, really shows how in demand he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, he's he's been in demand for the last few years. And the people that are upset about the fact that a year ago now he said, my heart's at Notre Dame, I want to stay at Notre Dame. It was a year ago, and that's fine. That's how he felt. A new opportunity has presented itself. His heart will always be at Notre Dame. He also has to think about his career. You, you can't, oh, he's dead to me. Oh, he, he's not an Irish man. He's not a Notre Dame man. You know, come on, people. Like, let's let's be realistic here, okay? Not every coach is going to stay at the same school from the first place he coached to the end. Like that's right. not realistic. That's not realistic. He's always going to love Notre Dame. It's where he went to school. It's where he coached. All of those things. Everybody just needs to take a breath when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm sorry. Like he's dead to me. I've I've seen that so many times. He's dead to me. He's two faced. Yeah. Okay. Settle down. Salty said he'd be surprised if offensive coordinators aren't calling Freeman. I would think they so. Are. I, I they don't are. Think he's getting a lot. Of agents are. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Exactly. Definitely. All right. Well, 
I guess we're going to wrap it up on that. I believe Brian is coming back at 8 o'clock tonight, it sounds like. Oh, good grief. All right. For good for show. him. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you got to fire that. up the talk tape. That's right. That's right, baby. Hey, ask Brian who his choices are for OC. I guarantee you he's got a list. because That's he probably knows. what the show is going to be about. Yeah, he pays being very close attention to that kind of stuff. I'm too busy worrying about who I'm going to suspend. Brian pays attention to who the good OCs are out there. Oh, stymie. That, I, stymie. I don't, I don't know where Brent – did somebody say this or was it said well, I said chat? that I, I, I said that Marcus Freeman, his goal was to hire good recruiters. Right. Okay. They were supposed to. I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Al Washington has the number all, one, I guess. the number one defensive tackle on the line, who very well might commit to Notre Dame. Is he still a terrible recruiter? Yeah. I no. mean, and it's on him. He's got he's got to get a win like that. He's got yeah. to go out and get somebody Absolutely. like that. That'll if, you know that'll take care not, of some of that stuff. And if he's not doing his job, let's see if Marcus Freeman makes a change. That's also right. another thing that we have to see. There, there's still a lot of question marks around Marcus Freeman and, and some of the people that he hired, you're not going to bat a thousand when you hire a completely new staff. Can, can we all agree on that? Like there's going to be mistakes. There's not going to be the perfect hires across the board. That will never happen. Okay. If you're a boss and you're hiring people and a guy just blows you away in an interview and you hire them and they turn out to be a dud, that happens. I'm not saying that's the case here, but you can never bet a thousand when hiring people. Okay. Right. So everybody like, it's just hilarious to me, the standards that people have for other people. Right. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with that. And again, Brian will be back at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time Whew. tonight. So we got uh, 90 for- minutes to eat some dinner people. Yeah. All right. right. Little pit stop, little pit stop in between. Thanks for uh, jumping in with us tonight for all the uh, the big news. Jesse, Vince, I will talk to you guys later. Hit the like button if you would on your way out. If you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, review, comment, all that kind of good stuff. We will talk to you Monday on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.